when James gets back, tell him we need to coordinate his bathroom breaks with my prayer needs. Okay? <laughs> All right, now I feel a lot better. And just so that you know, after uh, I get done sp- talking about Jesus um, with you guys, after we, we get done kind of going through our sermon part, what we do at, after that is we, we leave some time for response. And you can, s- if you got the feels, you know, maybe I'll get them with you. And we'll, we'll sing together. But Jesus is the same whether we have the feels or not. That's, that's my conviction. Um, and, and he's still praiseworthy. Um, but also, we're going to have some people that want to pray with you. And, and no shame in getting pray, pray, prayed for. I think real men get prayed for sometimes. And I want to be one of those. If you guys would open up your Bibles to John chapter 16. We're going we're gonna to be kind of traveling through. We've been traveling through all year, really. Um, the gospel according to John. We're, what we're trying to cast for our theme for the year is a fresh glimpse of Jesus. I just want to see who this Jesus is, right? And I want to be more like him because everything I see about him is amazing. Um, I think a lot of people have a, 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 an unclear picture, myself included. Sometimes I have an unclear picture of who this Jesus is, and, and I, want a, I want a fresher glimpse. I want a, a more perfect glimpse of who this Jesus is. And so we're going to look at one of his his close friends, John, spent um, three years with him, two and a half to three and a half years with him um, while he was doing public ministry. So he had a, a very good um, close-up um, view of Jesus. And then he, he writes down a lot of the things that he's seen, not all of the things that he saw. At the end of his gospel, he says, if I had written down everything cool that Jesus did, not enough, uh, there, there wouldn't be enough pages, there wouldn't be enough paper, there wouldn't be enough space to store, there wouldn't be enough bookshelves for the volumes, right, of all the things that Jesus did. So we just have a couple of, uh, uh, of glimpses of it. And one of the interesting thing about his letter is that it's 21 um, chapters. Is it 21 or 22? We haven't gotten there yet. It, it stops somewhere right around. I think it's 21 chapters. Um, but the first 12 chapters are about this two and a half to three and a half years of his public ministry, including his birth, and then, but real shortly, and then, and then two and a half to three and a half years of public ministry. When it gets to chapter um, 12, he, he enters into Jerusalem on the last week of his life on this earth, right? He enters in during Passover, the first day of Passover, into Jerusalem. Um, and then in chapter 13, we have the most famous dinner that involves Jesus ever. Does anyone know what it's called? It's called the Last Supper, the very creative, right? The last dinner that he had. And we call it the last dinner, the last supper, right? And he has this with his disciples. And then he, he goes into, to think about the, the percentage-wise. If there's 21 chapters, 22 chapters, and, and 12 of, of two and a half to three and a half years, now we're in the last week of his life. And then it quickly goes to the last night, Thursday night. He's going to die on Friday. It's called Good Friday, right? He dies in the morning, and, and, he's, and he's put in a tomb before the sun went down, right? Because it, the Sabbath begins, right? So this is, this is now one night, one, the night before, Thursday night. And there's four chapters where he's doing something called the farewell discourse. He's, he's basically in, in this intimate setting with his disciples. And he's, he's just pouring out his heart to them. He's telling them some last things that they're going to need to know in order to survive what's about to happen. He's just, he's, 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 he's being very deep. And it's the farewell discourse. So we've been looking at that. You can go online and kind of just walk through some of the stuff where we've been. We're not going to rehash that. But today, we're going to look in chapter 16. And he starts in chapter 16. Jesus says, look, I know I've been, I'm being very heavy right now. You know, 
I, I know that I'm, this is very weighty stuff, and, and, but I'm telling you these things so that, so that when I go away, you don't fall away from me. When it gets really hard, you don't walk away from me. Because he knows us, right? If you don't know that you're prone to wander, um, there's one thing that we're good at. Every one of us as humans is good at this one thing, getting distracted, right? If you were watching our lives, we're not unlike my dog, right? My dog's walking, and he's like, I want to walk with you. I want to walk with you, squirrel, right? Like, like tree, and then like, okay, we're like that, right? Only we're like, you know, well, I'm going to be a godly man. I'm going to be a godly man. I'm going to be a godly greed, right, or something else, right? We get easily distracted and so he's like when when i when i'm when i fall away or when i when i when i'm gone i'm writing to these things so that you can make it because here's what he it's almost like jesus is going like perfect lives and unicorns have one thing in common right they only happen in fairy tales and your life's about to get hard if you think christianity is like about making your life awesome i don't it doesn't work that way jesus never said that he never said that it's going to make your life easy anyways. It may, may be awesome depending on how you look at it, but not easy, not without trials, not without some hard things. And so he says that, and then he gets to um, John chapter 16, verse 7 and 11, and we'll start with what we're going to really tackle today. Jesus is dropping truth bombs on his, on his disciples who he loves. John chapter 16, verse 7 through 11, he says, Nevertheless, now, as we move on to this, I want to just let you help you out with a couple things. He's going to refer to someone as the helper. The helper is the Holy Spirit. Okay? As you're reading through this, you'll see the helper. Just think, Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. He's also going to talk about the, the ruler of this world. Last week, we, we, we helped you see that when the Bible talks about the world, there's three things it might be talking about, and you have to know which one. When it's talking about the world, sometimes it's talking about creation, trees and plants and land and sea and the, and the actual creation is the world sometimes it's talking about people people who are messed up sinners like me and you right sinners like a mess sometimes he's talking so he goes he goes uh he he so loved the world that he sent his only son he's talking about people not just his people but all people that he's created and sometimes it's talking when it says the world sometimes it's talking about all of the systems that are opposed to god Right. The philosophies and, and, and all of the things that that are, are not in agreement. They're not running on. The, they're running the opposite way of God. It's talking about those as the world. And so he refers to the ruler of the world. He's talking about that. The ruler of everything that's opposed to God. And that's Satan. So when you see the ruler of this world, you'll know that's Satan. And everyone will go, boo. No, we don't have to do that, but that would be fun. So, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Jesus talking, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. That would be like, what? We want you to go away? I don't get it, right? No, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world Concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world, right, that's Satan, is judged. 
So what Jesus is saying is it's going to be good that I go because when I go, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to convict you. And it talks about three things of sin and righteousness and judgment. And we'll talk about what he means. I believe he means by that. But the first thing you need to know is that is that we have the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is 100 percent fully God. Right. We have the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's not some abstract force. He is a person. And he is God. He's the Holy Spirit. And we see him all throughout the scriptures. In Genesis 1, we see him hovering over, 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 over creation, right? And so the Holy Spirit comes. Now what the Holy Spirit does is he convicts us. Now there's two opposing things that I want to talk about. Conviction versus condemnation. Now here's how this works. Con- when you think of conviction, think about it like this. A very helpful intervention. Imagine that you have two people, and bo- we'll call them Bob and Gary, right? And Bob and Gary are close friends. They love each other. Bob knows that Gary loves him. Gary knows that Bob loves him. It never comes into question. But Bob gets some issues. He gets, he, he, he gets some things out of, out of control in his life. And Gary loves him too much to not do anything about it. So what does he do? A helpful intervention. As a good friend who loves him, who will go to him, he might even bring some other friends along with him. And he'll say, look, I love you too much to not say anything. You're messing up. What you're doing right now is affecting you. It's affecting your family. It's affecting your kids. And I want to help you. I want to walk with you. But I don't want to leave you like this. Think of that's like a conviction. Condemnation is the opposite of that. We have a beautiful, beautifully ugly picture of it in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 3, right in the beginning, Adam and Eve, they sin. They eat the fruit they're not supposed to eat. Do you remember what it says? The experience, what it felt like? They ate the fruit. Immediately, they realized they were naked. They felt shame. And they hid from God. They hid from God. That was condemnation. So the picture is like this. Satan comes to them in the garden and he says, the fruit would be so beautiful, it would taste so good, it will make your life better. Matter of fact, you're missing out on some things. If you don't eat that, you know, you're going to miss out. They believe him. And they eat the fruit. What does Satan do immediately? He turns the corner. I can't believe you ate that. You're so horrible. Everything's ruined now. There's no hope for you now. That's condemnation. The enemy is in charge of condemnation. The Holy Spirit comes and convicts us. How do you know the difference? When you're getting convicted by the Holy Spirit, you'll see the door opening up and inviting you to walk closer to Jesus. When you're experiencing condemnation, you'll feel the door closing and you'll feel like there's no hope and you'll want to hide. You'll want to go through another door. Those are the difference. And now Jesus is saying this Holy Spirit is going to come. It's going to convict you. Does anybody here think that if you were Gary, the one that was, the, that I, I can't remember if it was Bob or Gary, if you're the one who, who, who was getting, you know, dimed out on, right? If he was coming to you and going like, I know you're, like, I'm, I'm exposing this pain in your life, but because I want to help you with it. 
You think it feels good initially? No, you could get defensive, right? I don't know if you ever do that with God, like when he starts working in your life, you get all defensive and hard-hearted, if you call it, right? So there's, do we get this picture of what Jesus is talking about? Are we with me? Okay, so the Holy Spirit's going to come, and that's going to be a good thing because he's going to help us. But he's going he's gonna to come and talk about He's going to bring up some stuff, maybe, that we need to get dealt with. So don't be afraid of that. Don't be like, hey, Holy Spirit, why are you being all judgy? <laughs> no. You know what I mean? We could do that, though. Or, or to your brother or sister and cry, hey, why, are you being, why are you judging me? Well, I'm judging you because I, I just want to help you, right? So we need to understand the difference between judging and judging, <laughs> loving and being a jerk, right? And he says I'm, he's going to convict us of three things. He says of sin and righteousness and judgment. So really what Jesus is doing is opening up the beginning of, of, of the most important things that we need to know in theology. So we'll start your notes here. He's talking about the truth in your notes, the truth about salvation in Christ. And the first thing he says is the Holy Spirit is going to come and do this helpful intervention, this conviction, and he's going to deal with sin. He's going to deal with sin. He's going to deal with sin in your life. And that's not only if you're not a Christian yet, that's even if you are a Christian yet. That's me going, you know what? I can look back this last week and see plenty of things that I'm not proud of. I'm not going to, like, justify it. I want to confess it to you, God. Help me next time. Help me change. Help me get back on track, right? So he's going to convict you of sin. Now, the, here's the idea. The Holy Spirit's going to help you see that you have a deep need. The Holy Spirit's going to help you see that you have sinned against this God and that what it's created is a separation between you and him. The Holy Spirit's going to help you see that you have a need. Everyone knows they have a need. They just don't want to like put it in that. Like my, The problem in my life is him, <laughs> right? The problem in my life is I just the way I grew up. Or the problem in my life, you always want to find something else. Or we loathe, right? A pro, it's just me. It's just me, right? Problem's me. No, no one can do anything about it. Just leave me now, right? That's not what it's talking about. It's going to come and it's going to help you see that there's a need. But remember, the door is then going to open up and invite you into Jesus. He's going to let you know the need. But he's also going to let you know the solution. He's going to say, man, your life is a mess because of sin. But there's this Jesus who came and he died on a cross. There's this opportunity to nail all of that sin on the cross with him. And then he gives us new life. He gives us righteousness. And the Holy Spirit is involved in that conviction. So in the Bible, we call this, you've been justified. You've been justified when he comes and he removes your sin, and now, and, and now, and now everything that was in the way of you and, and God has been removed, and so you guys are reconnected. The Bible calls it at reconciliation, right? You've now been reconciled with Christ, and it's through faith by grace in Christ. And here's a text that kind of supports this in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. It says, it is for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one can boast. So you have faith that, yes, you've sinned, but that Jesus has paid for your sin. When you believe that, that's faith, right? And you walk in that. You walk closer to God in that by faith, in that belief that Jesus has has once for all taken care of all of your sin. 
right? And it's by grace. It's a free gift. There's not anything that you can do about it. Christianity is not a program designed to help you become more righteous so that someday, if you're good enough, you can be acceptable to God. It's not like that. It's by grace that you've been saved. And it's through Christ. You can't save yourself. You can't fix yourself. There's nothing that you can do, right? There's nothing that you could do to make God love you anymore. And there's nothing that you can do to make God love you any less. Because he loves you based on what Jesus did. Right? And so there's this conviction of sin. Now some people just leave it right there and that's incomplete. What happens then? So he goes on. I was also going to convict you of righteousness. In the Bible we call this, you are being sanctified. Moment by moment in God's grace. Sanctification is the process of you becoming more like Jesus. You might say it like this. God loves you right now, right where you're at. He loves you and wants you, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. So he's constantly going to be working in your life. He's constantly going to be dealing with some things. And the Holy Spirit's the one that does that. He's convicting you. We'll talk about it a little more. He's convicting you and helping you see what you need to work on next. And then he's helping you work on it. And he's bringing other people in your life. And the Holy Spirit's rad. He doesn't get enough credit, right? The Holy Spirit is amazing. And we need him. God bless you. <laughs> right? It was moment by moment. So the very next work, we looked at Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Now we'll look at Ephesians 2, 10. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is such a beautiful thing. When it says we are his workmanship, the Greek word is poema. We are his poema. What does that sound like? Sounds like poem. We're his poem. But it's even more beautiful than that. It could mean poem. If you wrote a beautiful poem, you could say, that's my poema. Or if you did a, a beautiful art piece, Lindsay, DJ LA, who does our sound, she's hiding right now. So she's just, that's, her, that's her hair right there that you can see right there. Everyone look. Lindsay is an amazing artist. She's painted some stuff that we have hanging in our HQ in, in, in my office. She's an amazing artist. So wh- what she does, she has talent, right? And she gets inspired, and then she goes and gets some materials, Right. And she and she puts out some time and some space and she starts working on this material. And when she's done with this whole process, it's her poema. Her workmanship, her masterpiece, our worship pastor, Tim Matson, is is a is a is a is a he, he creates beautiful pieces of art called furniture out of wood. Matter of fact, he only works three quarters time here. He makes his, uh, the rest of his money like making beds and, and furniture, tables, bookshelves. If you ever need one, man, that's the guy. Go, you'll help out his ministry, you'll help out this church. Go, go hire him. His email's in the bulletin. But what Tim does is he, he's, he loves to go and get like old pieces of wood and fix them up and refurbish them. And, 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 and he goes through this whole process, he uses his talent, he uses his creativity, time, also your need. And he creates this table. And it's not just a table, it's a poema. You're a poema. He's saying you're his poema. You were created once in Adam with sin. Then he deals with it. He nails it to the cross. Now you have our new creation. Now you're created in Christ. And then what? And then moment by moment, slowly, as a process, he's working on your life. He's making you more and more like Jesus every day. 
moment by moment in his grace, he's transforming you. It's called sanctification. That's why we say everyone is in process. That's what we mean. Everyone's in the process of being saved. And then what comes when you when you when you when we're when we'll look at next. Right. And that's the Holy Spirit that's working in your life. So it's good that God, Jesus would go away because all these great things. And then lastly, he says, and they will convict you of judgment. What he's pointing out is that you will be glorified when Jesus Christ returns. You will have a new body. We call that being glorified. So you get justified in Christ. You, you become a new creation. You're now right with God. He no longer has any beef with you, right? Like when that old lady from the old Wendy's commercial, she goes, where's the beef? You go, I nailed it to the cross. <laughs> That's what it means. No more beef, right? You're good with God. You're reconciled. But you're undone. You're a baby. You got to learn to walk. You got to learn. To, you got to grow. And he'll help you. And that's called sanctification. And then one day, when we take our last breath or he rips open the skies and comes back, whatever that looks like, and then we'll have a new body. And it's called being glorified. Philippians 3, 20 through 21 says, But our citizenship is in heaven. We live here now, but we have a place that we're going. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself will be glorified. Conviction is so good. Conviction is a, is, and repentance are beautiful things because conviction is what he does and he lets us know we have a need. Repentance is when we walk through that door and we walk closer to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit does that for us. Now Jesus is going to talk a little bit more about this helper. The Holy, he's going to say the Holy Spirit guides you. In verses 12 through 15 he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, that's the, whole, that's the Holy Spirit, right? He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things <coughs> that are to come. He will glorify me, Jesus, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He's going to point people to Jesus. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit becomes this helper or this guide. I like analogies. I like word pictures. I hope you do too. But I want you to think about it like this. The Holy Spirit becomes basically your spiritual personal trainer. Now here's the thing. If you've ever had a personal trainer, you go to the gym, it's because you have issues, right? Like you wave and then you stop waving and these guys keep waving. And you're like, I got to go to a personal trainer, right? Or whatever it is. Or you went, you had some health issues and the doctor said your cholesterol is too high. You got you to gotta, you gotta get on top of that, right? And so you go, you're like, I don't know what to do. So you go and you get a personal trainer. The po personal trainer is there to help you, to guide you. Now some things that, you know, I used to be a personal trainer, so, so I kind of understand this a little bit. When people come, they don't know what to do, right? The first thing you have to do is you have to go, okay, there's some things you're going to need to change in your life. I can't do it for you. The, the personal trainer can't do it for you. Give me a picture like if, if you hired a personal trainer and then you went to the gym and you watched them work out and then you're like, I don't know what's going on. I hired a personal trainer like two months ago. I go to the gym three times a week and I watch him work out and then my thing's still moving. I don't get it, right? Well, that's because that's not how it works. He's going to guide you. 
but you gotta you gotta do some stuff, right? He's gonna show you what you need to do, but he's gonna, you gotta do some stuff, right? So the first thing we 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 see here is that the Holy Spirit shows you you have a need. The Holy Spirit shows you you have a need. You're just going on your way. You know your life's messed up, and you might think like like you know I, I read this magazine. It said seven ways you know to to make your husband love you, and I did all seven of them. And it's like, he doesn't seem like he loves, you know what I mean? Or whatever it is. Or I, I, like, like 42 ways to get, like, you know, whatever. You know, like, we, we, we go to those things. No, let's, let's turn those off. And the Holy, let's listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gets it a little better. He knows what you need. Like, let's, let's, let's every once in a while just go, like, God, what do I, show me what to do next. And then we're being a good, we're being a good student. You go to your personal trainer and you go, like, just whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. Then you're a good, you're going to get results. And he's going to show you your need. He's going to show you what, what's up. He's going to show you what you need to do. And then he invites you into the work. The Holy Spirit invites you into the process, into the work, right? Just like a personal trainer does. You, you come to the gym, we'll talk about what you need to do. Right, the big picture, make some goals maybe, and, and what this program's going to look like, and then he invites you into the work. All right, now let's do it. Right? And then the Holy Spirit transforms you through the work. So sometimes we say this about people. We say, well, God is working in me and through me. Right? God is both working in us and through us. Right? He's working in us to convict us and to invite us into change. And then he's working through us. He gives, everyone has a part to play. He gives you things to do. Here's one of the things that's amazing about the Holy Spirit, ministry. The most beautiful ministry, relational ministry, happens when, when one person theoretically is helping another person, right? I'm blessing you, or I'm helping you, or I'm serving you, or I'm discipling you, or I'm teaching you. I'm helping you. And this person over here goes, wow, you're helping me so much. And what do you experience? This is so good for me. You go on a mission trip. I'm going to go and help people, right? And you come back changed, right? Because the Holy Spirit's like that. He works in you. And he works through you. And when he's working through you, he's working in you. And then you just lose track and you're getting changed. That's when the Holy Spirit's working in you. Sometimes you don't have the feels. Sometimes you have a bad week, right? It's not always perfect. You're going to have hardship. People are going to hate you, he said in the last chapter, Right? There's a lot, there's, there, there, it's, it's not going to be easy. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna make some mistakes, right? But you have a helper. You have this Holy Spirit. And then the last thing he talks about kind of puts us together. And we call it the hour, the hour. The hour in the Bible, it, it usually describes, there's this time in the Bible between the already and the not yet. You see this a lot in the scriptures. There's the already, things that have already happened, and the not yet. The kingdom of God is like that. There's an already aspect of the kingdom of God. The ki- Jesus came, and he ushered in the kingdom of God. And there's a not yet peace. One day he will come back, and he will restore things, and things will be like they should be. That's the kingdom we look forward to. Are we? Where are we? We're in between the already and the not yet. He's already come into our lives, and now we're a part of the kingdom of God because we have a new king, right? In Colossians, it says we're, we're transferred out of the kingdom of darkness, and we're transferred into the kingdom of light. That's God's kingdom. He's our king. He's the one telling us what to do. We're, he's, we're following him. 
right? But we're in this tension of the not yet. Not everything is fixed. We still get cancer. We still, we s- things don't always go right. We have a lot of whys. Why, God? Right? Because we live in, in the not yet, in the in-between, the hour. So, so Jesus says to them, he goes, a little while, and you will see me no longer. And again a little while, and you will see me again. So there's going to be this time, a little while you won't see me, and then you will. And, and then there's a, 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 a time in between. That's where you're about to enter into this time in between. of uh, You won't see me anymore. Soon you will. When you're in the middle of that is going to be this tension. So some of his disciples said to one another, one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again a little while and you will see me. Because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? What what uh, we do not know what he's talking about. Now this could be encouraging. Okay, this is encouraging. How many of you guys have ever been reading your Bible and um, and you're just you're picturing like somebody else who's a better Christian than you, like like going, oh, this is so good, and you're like, I don't get it. This is so frustrating. I don't understand what Jesus is trying to say here. Why is that here? All right, you're not alone. You're not alone. That's what they're. Jesus is. They're not even reading it. He's saying it's coming right out of his mouth, and they're like, what are you talking about? Right? So, that's normal. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. That's the world that's opposed to Jesus. It will, re- it will rejoice in the, in the between. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. That's the already. That's our hope. That's what we look forward to. The joy is coming. Right now, it might be hard. You might have some sorrow. You might, you might go like, God, I wish you would wipe the smile off of their face, the world, right? Because they're like partying, and you're miserable. And he's like, no, but the time is coming. Time is coming. But how do you live How do you live in that tension? How do you live between the already and the not yet? Jesus has already died on the cross. He's already done everything we need to deal with our sin, to to make us righteous, and and to prepare us for the future glory. He's already done that. That's the already. There's the not yet. He hasn't come back and wiped out all the evil. We're not living in the time where there's no more pain and no more sorrow. We will. We will. But not yet. How are you going to live in that tension? The Holy Spirit helps you. So I want to give you a couple of things that we see in this bigger chunk of Scripture. We can't read all of John 16, but I want to highlight a few things that Jesus says around this, about this. One thing is this. It will be hard, but don't give up. While you live in the between, right? And by the way, what does the world see as, as what life? How do they define life? Or they say, YOLO, you only live once. What that means is they believe that you're born and you die and everything in between that is your life. That's not what the Bible calls life. Life is knowing Jesus. Life begins when you meet Jesus and it never ends. It's eternal life. So we don't live in YOLO world. We live in in-between world, though. We live in in-between world. 
and it will be hard in in-between worlds. But don't give up. Do not give up. And he says that in the next thing, in John 16, 21, the very next words of Jesus, he's saying, don't give up. He goes, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. We experience this. We, we have two daughters. When, when, when you're pregnant, I, I never was pregnant. My wife was pregnant. She did a really good job. High five. And um, but when you're pregnant, especially like like you're excited, right? It's all excited, like, woo, right? But then you get sick. Sometimes you get sick. And that's not fun, right? And then you get to the end. You're like, get this baby out of me. Right? It's kicking you and stuff. It's cute the first time it moves. But, like, after a couple weeks, you're like, okay, I, I need those ribs. The intercostal muscles right there, that's not your foot rest, right? When you start doing that, you're like, get this baby out of me. But along the way, everyone will remind you. They'll remind you it's hard. It's hard now while you're, while you're going through this process. And then um, childbirth, we won't, we won't hash it out, but it's hard. I, it looks hard. Okay? It's hard. We know that, right? But then, then. Then this beautiful baby smells amazing. He does these little, like, like the, the dumbest things that you think are amazing, like goes, coo, coo. And you're like, my baby just cooed, right? Like, you're like a baby, and they start to grow, right? And then, like, like, like one day they look over, and they're holding the coffee table, and they, and they take, like, one step, like one, two, and then boom, you're like, two steps, my kid's a genius, <laughs> Right? You won't do that when they're 12. You'll be like, what is going on with you, right? <laughs> but the first steps, and there's this joy that comes when once the baby's there. All the suffering. Paul says that in Romans 8. He goes, look at your life now. He goes, it, it, I'm not saying it's not hard. It, it is. And, and we love each other and we pray for each other. But he goes like this. These present sufferings, they're not even worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in Christ, on the day of Christ Jesus. When you're glorified, when the, when, when the not yet shows up, you're not going to look back and go, man, God, I got a bunch of questions. You're going to be like, I'm here. Forget that was worth it. Whatever it was. And we live with that hope. So it will be hard. But don't give up during the birth. Because joy is coming. Don't give up in this life. Because joy is coming. Do not give up. How to make it through the not yet? Don't give up. And we'll have the worship team come up. And here's the next one. Look, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall. Some of you guys this week, you're like me, and you're like, this wasn't the best week of my Christianity. Right? Here's what it looks like to be mature in Christ. When you fall, you get right back up. You know how I know that? Not because I'm smart, because it says that in, in Proverbs 29. It goes, a righteous man will fall down many times, but he gets back up. That's weird. <laughs> That's weird, because you would go, any other religious book would go, a righteous man is defined by the fact that they don't fall down all the time. The Bible's not like that. It goes, a righteous man falls down many times, but he gets back up. So get back up. 
Raise your hand if you need to get back up this week. I'm, my hand's up. Right? We get it, right? We're not alone. How many, I mean, raise your hand if you've ever wanted to give up. Don't give up. Don't stay down. Jesus died on the cross so you don't have to. Don't put that to shame. Don't start getting all prideful. Oh, I got to deal with this myself and have a good week in order to have the field. No, you don't. It's not how it works. And the Spirit will guide. The Spirit will guide. Follow His lead. I haven't done uh, 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 everything right with my kids, but one thing I want to teach my kids, and I hope that they get, is you don't have to figure out what you want to be with your life. My daughter is now 17. She's a senior, and people will start to ask her, what do you want to be when you grow up? I get proud of her when she goes, I don't know, but I know God has a plan for my life, and I want that. Because you don't need to know what you're going to do when you grow up. You need to know who knows. And you need to prepare to follow him. And don't give up. When you fall, get back up. Never give up. And be encouraged because you got a personal trainer. You're not alone. You don't need to know what to do. You don't need to be buffing and in, in, in a, in a gym guy. You don't need to have a subscription to Muscle and Fiction magazine or whatever that thing's called. Right? You don't need to have, you know, like all your cupboards with all this whey and cool and plexus. Right? You don't, those are good maybe. Right? But you got a, a, a guide. Listen to him. Listen to him. And before we move on, we're going to have some people that want to pray with you. Come up and get prayed for. Like, just ruin our whole plan by having too many lines wanting to pray, and we don't even know what to do with it. Go ahead and do that. We love, you know, when you ruin our lives like that. Okay? But come up and get prayed for. And if you're here, here's something that I just know. I know the Holy Spirit has already been working in some of your lives, and you've never given your life to Jesus. Or maybe you think you have, or maybe you've just kind of been in this process of like, I've, I've been checking this Jesus out. But the Holy Spirit has been convicting you in a good way, where you see the door open, and you know, i got to walk through this thing. I remember when it happened to me, I was in a service kind of like this, and somebody, somebody did this thing that now I know it's called an altar call. And I went forward, and someone prayed for me. And it wasn't, the, the, it wasn't just like, you know, you don't get saved by saying a special prayer, knowing a secret handshake. But what I do want to do is I want to give you an opportunity like someone gave to me, an opportunity to come alongside you and help you respond to what the Holy Spirit is already doing. And he does it differently all the time. I, can, I can't explain it to you. Sometimes it's just like all these circumstances are happening in my life. I know someone's trying to say something to me. Yeah, yeah, he is. And sometimes it's just like this feeling like I got I to gotta, I gotta change, but I don't know how, but and Jesus is the answer, and I just, and you want to respond. And we want to we, we we, we be a family that's real, and we want to we walk through you with it. If there's anybody here who's just been feeling the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and you're like, you know what, I want to start this, I want to get justified to use Bible language, right? You didn't even know what that word is, but now you're like, I know what it is now. I want to be justified. And I want to start this sanctification process, right? I want to be more like Jesus. And I want to look forward to the one day where I get glorified. And today you want to be a new creation. You want to nail your sin to the cross. Raise your hand, and I'd love to pray with you. What was your name again? L. Let's pray with L. Anyone else? Today's the day you want to start a new walk with Jesus Christ.
We're going to pray with Elle, and if, if, you, if you still have questions and you're still in process and you want to talk to me, come up and talk to me. I don't have the feels anyway, so you won't be bothering me. Okay? If you want to come up and pray with someone else, you want to talk to the person next to you, right? If, 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 if it's not today, you're just in this process, and you're like, I don't know if I'm ready for that, but I have questions. Come, come, come. The door is wide open. Let's pray for Elle.